We are not heroes, nor are we villains, neither kings nor magicians, but we can tell you their stories. We are the Lore Keepers, and we welcome you to Halloween. Welcome to Halibay. You've tuned into Lorekeepers, a podcast devoted to chronicling the serialized world building of a sprawling tapestry of interwoven lore. I'm Carter. And I'm Frank. This season, our focus is on gods, faith, and the relationship between mortals and immortals. So sit back, close in their eyes, and let our tingling audio gateways sweep you into the realms of Halibay. So this week... um. We are going to be talking about Avum Pentis, which uh, is Fifth Age, right? It is the the period that uh, that follows after Avum Cordis, uh, the Fourth Age, which is the Age of War. Um, it is like, I mean, there's yeah, if basically were, it was just like a time of a bunch of fighting. If you were gonna make a Lord of the Rings comparison here, which age would be the Fifth Age? And Lord of the Rings. Like, what would the Pentis to Lord of the Rings? Why would I know that at all? <laughs> Is there one that seems like it would make sense for you? Well, the second age... You tell me. Well, well, at the very beginning, the first age is, like, the time of the gods, and the elves are just, like, doing stuff. And then the second age is really... Where you get big elf energy, and mm-hmm. the men get pretty powerful here as well. This is like a big empire, uh, high highest point. And then the third age is when the War of the Ring happens, and then the fourth age is the time of the United Kingdom. It's post Sauron's downfall. Right, <laughs> I always forget that Lord of the Rings takes place in this planet, which is yeah. like, what? Huh? <laughs> How? What but yeah, it, no, it all makes uh, perfect sense. Yeah, that's uh, yes, of course, it all makes perfect sense. The hobbits are British. Haven't you noticed British people are short? I always teeth? love. One of my favorite fucking things is in uh, that hideous strength which is the third book in the Space Trilogy from C.S. Lewis. I guess spoilers for the book. Uh, Merlin is in the book, which is really fun, and refers to Numenor, uh, but spells it wrong. And the reason why he spells it wrong is because uh, Tolkien had yet to have actually written it down in a way that C.S. Lewis had seen, like, published. He, they had talked about Numenor, but they hadn't, they hadn't like, he, he hadn't started writing any of his or I think he had written some of the scripts for his books or something, but I don't think that C.S. Lewis had seen them at the time of writing that hideous strength. And so he just kind of gave like a nod to to, to Numenor and like the idea of sort of this Atlantean uh, place. So yeah, no, it's, I don't know. I just, I love that little bit. But yeah, dude, honestly, War of the Ring, I don't know. Whatever time has the most conflict. 
Well, that would be probably the War of the Jewels would be where that is. Which War uh, of the Jewels? Yeah, the War of the Jewels, the fights for the Silmaril. This is where a, a there's so much battle that the um the the continent or the subcontinent of Beleriand sinks. Which is where all the like cool elf kingdoms were. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> wow, what do they do? What did they do to cause it? It's Lord of the Rings. It's not like they have crazy powerful magic cannons or well, something. They, they, well, the gods fought. It doesn't look like Asgard from shit. MCU. Oh, it was gods? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so it, this the War of the Jewels ended the first age. So the first age would be the one that with the most conflict. Dude, we got to talk about the actual episode stuff, though. We can't right. keep talking about this. Just rabbit trail after rabbit trail. We didn't even get into the real content yet. Okay. Um, we yes, yeah. we're talking. Yeah, we're talking about Avon Pentis, which wasn't even. We're not even talking about Jesus. We're not even talking about Avon Cordis. But Avon Cordis does provide some useful background. Um, we're not going to. Yeah, we're not going to get into it super a bunch, but just to provide a little bit of precedent, Avon Cordis. Age of Conflict, Age of War, as a result of a lot of stuff that we can't necessarily spend a lot of time trying to explain how exactly it happens. Um, Avum Cordis, uh, during the time of Avum Cordis, there was uh, one of the nine ley line spires that provide magic to the world, these, you know, physical towers, it got corrupted. And partially is the responsibility of uh, the aspects, um, because they had... Uh, embodied themselves in the world and essentially the mutes the gods of like the absentium the you know basically like demonic and devilian force leaders they had basically put a, a shard of corruption uh into the into the the, the rut of the strife spire or the 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 ley line spire of peace and as all of the aspects left, basically there was no one there to really govern the foundational um, consensus reality, or at least the parts that they were responsible for. And so it eventually started to corrupt and infect like, you know, basically like a magnet flipping other magnets nearby. And so, or dominoes, I don't know, potential energy, just kind of think magnetic of it like that. Dominoes. Anyway, so... It ends up corrupting. Yeah, it's like magnetic dominoes. <laughs> you play magnetic dominoes. Sure, no. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, over a relatively short period, it corrupts the entire uh, spire, and then there's no more ties that hold people together, peace or sort of like harmony. Um, and as a result, conflict starts to really wage uh, any even small kingdoms fracture into much, much smaller uh, fiefdoms that fracture even more. Um, it's not full anarchy because a lot of systems of power are still in place for people to attempt to maintain control of some kind. It's not that things can't remain like connected. It's just that connecting things doesn't remove conflict. And uh, it doesn't smooth things over. So a lot more people like are, you know, breaking treaties or, you know, leaving home or whatever it is. So this it goes on for a long time, several thousand years, um, during which most of the records of a lot of the earlier stuff become little more than myth. 
uh, people tell of a time of high magic, but it's not like really known anymore. Beyond that, it's it's it might as well be a, an entirely different civilization's history. Like honestly, similar way to the way we think of like you know Lord of the Rings, right? Is it's just a story? You know, yeah, maybe it was true. Obviously, for us, we know that it wasn't true. But like pr- practically speaking, it may have it may as well just be a fantasy tale. Um, and so. One of the things that is very present during Avon uh, Cordis that we are playing with not being as present in Avon Pentis, and I think we've mentioned this recently, is is the like the presence of the gods. Um, at least Avon Cordis has, uh, like we talked about the, I don't think we called them the companions, but like the whatever the 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 host was of of people who were like a hundred or something, you know, small demigods that were all sort of roaming in their own band. Anyways, the gods get blamed for a lot of the shit that goes down uh, as far as conflict and war, and a lot of it is pretty fair. It's like, like, there's some pretty fair critique because the gods definitely do do a lot of that same making war that they did during Avum Tertius, but for different reasons. They and, do stay and, their hand more. There is more control, but like, there are also a lot of gods of war. And there's also the trouble that is, uh, they failed to protect the spires, which is like mm-hmm. kind of the one of the most important things they do. Yeah, like, I don't know what happens to Pasha. Well, Pasha's fine which is the regent of peace. Pasha is, there's nothing that happens to Pasha, right? Because this only affects the, the leyline spire. It's not like the, the flow goes backwards. It just changes the attunement of, of like what you're drawing as far as abstracts are concerned. So this solely affects like Siddhar and the Materium, which is like the mortal realm. It could, we could play with it sort of like bleeding over a little bit into other realms. I find that tasty, but I, I like the idea of keeping the conflict centered relatively on Sadar in a way where like other people are almost like this ain't our fight, you know, like this is a war going on in a neighboring country or something, but this has nothing to do with us. We don't want to fuck with them. Um, we'd I rather mean, not get involved. Pasha is, unless yeah, not, there are a good reason to. Pasha isn't like literally magically affected by this but i do think that they're kind of fucked up by it there was meant to be their re- yeah, representation is now causing mm-hmm. the opposite of their thing and they don't like that their champion has become corrupted in this weird way and gets killed which yes. is like also tied oh, to right. one of their most powerful angelic figures and they also get mm-hmm. destroyed presumably which mm-hmm. it's like pretty fucked up yeah there's a lot of shit so it's definitely much more like the way that a like bad circumstances would affect a person would affect anyone you know like that you know everybody reacts to that stuff negatively um but pasha yeah i mean like there's no there's no peace reflected in the consensus reality anymore like there's no you know acknowledgement or recognition at least not from the materia maybe there's some versions of peace coming from other realms or something but like not you know, and so like that's just got to be painful to see, you know, Pasha's and to just like boy. watch all this happen. Yeah, so not a good time for Pasha. But uh, more specifically, let's we'll jump to the end of how even Cordis ends. Um, they restore the uh, the the Stripe Spire and return it to the Spire of Peace. The the gods, I think. Well, at this point, there have already been permanent, basically permanent spans that have been put up around uh, each of the spires. So they're not truly reachable. 
um, because the gods, after having seen that the strife spire was, uh, you know, corrupted, they, you know, enacted this. Yeah, um, and which is why the stuff from from your uh, uh, campaign happened in Avum Tertius. Yeah, and then we have the what are they called? The um, the like chambers militant of the monks that guard the spires. Right. Yes. Jedi. Each of the nine spires has basically yeah they they have like uh, sentinel uh, casts of people who protect it and just basically ensure that it's not um, that nobody's going to fuck with it and touch it. You know, entire groups of people like literally are just born and die and live in this sort of island that is surrounded by a span where technically they are connected to the rest of reality but they'll probably never see another living soul uh, beyond obviously their own sort of community um which i don't know i always thought that would be a really fun thing to uh to explore as a as an episode so maybe and then, we should explore yeah, that the occasional incredibly badass cleric or adventurer who just like pew, gets their way through and it's like bah, 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 mm-hmm. bah, bah. yeah sometimes people do make it like but it's definitely more like a chosen paladin or like you need something supernatural to guide the way um you would need to have some sort of you know person who could who could kind of cross that that border yeah i imagine there's art there's like artifacts associated with each spire that are associated with each region like maybe Autar's got totally like a rod of command that you can go lead you the way through, or like someone's got a like a compass or a book mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And there's probably sometimes people who are born who don't have like just sort of as luck would have it, they don't end up and uh, like dominated by that same sort of. Uh, overwhelming abstract uh in their in their personality and i wouldn't be surprised if those people were sort of uh offered the opportunity to leave uh if they wanted to sort of explore the rest of the world and just like maybe they could never come back sort of some brigadoon vibes okay yeah yeah or something like that i don't know anyways again we gotta we gotta what is it called it's not rasputitsa it's what the amish do oh uh rumspringer rumspringer yeah yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, honestly, is like maybe even just like some communities give people the opportunity. But we got to we got to jump forward to the real Avon Pentis shit because this is still all premise. I mean, that's kind of happening in Avon Pentis. Like you'll see that, uh, but it means a different thing. And that actually would be something worth talking about. So anyways, all this stuff happens. Avon Cordis ends um, with like sort of the final refuges of war or vestiges of war being sort of like uh, uh, candles that are burned out. Um, the world looks very different afterwards. There's a lot of reconstruction of civilizations um the the eldian imperio is completely gone at this point or it's an echo it is a shadow it is something that the uh, elves might talk about in the same way that the south will rise again right like there's there's people who believe in it but it's more in a which is not necessarily to draw off it's not a super fair comparison to draw with the eldian imperio because like they're not full-on race well they're kind of racists there's definitely a lot of racist elves yeah, there's like, I mean, it's it's definitely a very special. You know what it is? Here. It's growing up in Tennessee does not make you racist. It's true. There are a lot of racists in Tennessee. Um, the there's also a lot of racists everywhere else in the U.S. But like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, you know, growing up as an elf does not make you a racist. But if you are 
you might have to learn to undo some prejudices that you wouldn't have otherwise. And we're all we're all born with prejudices, but you know what I mean. Anyway, so the point just being, though, like that it's kind of like some elves, especially because the Avaril, they have this like memory of what the kingdoms were once like and say, oh, you know, you know, one day we will rebuild the Eldian Imperio or even the Sanguine Empire if they're real yeah. edgy. Elves, elves are naturally... If they're black-pilled. <laughs> elves are naturally insular. Which mm-hmm. is at odds with their like chaotic nature, which ma- which makes them kind of branch out and see other things. But mm-hmm. so, anyways, uh, uh, but like this, now I'm just gonna cut to it. So the thing that is the biggest element that I think that we should be talking about in this episode is the relationship between mortals and gods specifically as it relates to like the Pax Demiurge and as like as I've mentioned that so like like I said people were pretty pissed at the gods the gods definitely took a fair part in a lot of this stuff and um still were kind of doing their best to attempt to like cover the right stuff um I think we also talked about the idea of um you know maybe the martial pantheon decides to dissolve and like and sort of become little bits and pieces of other pantheons uh that's I, I don't know we can talk about that because like how you know would mortals be influencing that would they that be like something where they would actually like reach out to the martial pantheon and say like we don't want you to exist anymore or like we won't acknowledge you anymore maybe um and depending on how much that shit is enshrined like it might meaningfully change you know the the heavens there's, i mean there's a lot of trouble because there's definitely pockets of this and maybe even some great nations that like outlaw certain kinds of uh, esteeming mm-hmm. like the kind of thing where uh, they would see the esteeming of like the martial pantheon as similar to the esteeming mm. of some of the absentium yeah entities. yeah i think it's i think it's maybe not necessarily outlawed in most places it might even be outlawed in some places but it's very frowned upon or like you have to pay certain strict taxes or something like that because like your places, your stuff your 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 faith is literally seen as like expensive. But then there's because some it's expensive to the like, state, um, you know. What's the mecca that has the giant like academy? Of military oh, stuff? Uh, y- uh, um, Yamdala. That's uh, the the dragonborn uh, place. Yeah, is that the one? Because I know that there's also one that is just like one of the largest military academies that everyone goes to and then they get, they have like little badges or something that says like oh, i might be know, misremembering i came from this place and it's like an old boys club still paying for world anvil uh i think you might be right that it's a different one i seem to remember that yamdala was that but maybe it's not because i remember that yamdala is also like super insular because the dragonborn are like this is our thing like this is dragonborn stuff like, hashtag you wouldn't understand, just Dragonborn stuff. Okay, well, I don't know what my credentials are, so I, I, you, you might be right. There's, there's, a, there's, five, there's five mechas. I don't know how to... Mm, I guess I could try going through the website. I can log into World Anvil. What am I looking for? I just logged in. I think there... Uh, if you go to, like, scroll to the bottom, there should be, like, cartography and maps and stuff. Maps. There's a maps thing. I click the maps. Everest not like, yep, I got it. I got it. So I think they're gold or purple. They're like in the center of the map. There's five of them. I'm looking at it. The purple ones, yes. Ezraish is the necromancy one. Okay. Pure Illaban. Which one's ah, Pure Ah, Heron Kuntar, the martial pantheon. It's Pure Illaban. 
They may seem like warmongers or their nation, but the peoples of the second Mecca are cohesively non-aggressive, believing that to walk the line between conflict and peace is to master both dif- disciplines, a belief known as Mahin. Okay, cool. So at least, yeah, we should then talk about that one. What, what is that one? Is that Spiriliban? Okay, gotcha. So yeah, I mean, basically the thing that, that, that happens, that we were playing with, that I was toying with the idea of, and this is what I really wanted to talk about, was the Pax Demiurge. Um, of people distancing themselves from the gods, literally saying, we don't want you guys to be involved in our lives anymore. We don't want you to have as strong of a touch. Um, like, literally almost like a country going to America and being like, please stop invading us. Oof. I don't care if you think that it's for democratic means or whatever. You have to just let us figure this shit out ourselves because you're making everything worse. Also, the U.S. basically never is actually doing that. It's usually just oil interests or whatever the fuck protecting some company like the Chiquita banana what uh i don't know what do you think of the pax demiurge though which by the way it's called the pax demiurge because the demiurge is in like the the one who created all the architect um the which we refer to as the architect usually but like kind of fits in with the idea of the demiurge as they show up in like ancient uh myth yeah and that, they, that's not to be confused basically with, um... Right, very different figures. Yeah, yeah, no, Owen created the Demiurge, or the Architect. But, like, basically, the, uh, you know, the Architect is, it builds the world, the Materium, fashions it, and then, like, basically falls, like, f- falls into slumber, endless slumber, or, or something like that, where basically they, they no longer interfere. So, basically, they, they're responsible for the creation of the material realm, um, as in, like, the cosmic realm of the Materium. They're responsible for that, but they've done nothing else since then. Um, and in the same way, like, Own has a distant relationship. I'm kind of wondering, maybe it's not that the gods can't do anything, but there's, like, explicit things they cannot do. Like, almost like maybe making them swear to an oath rod kind of thing. Yeah. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay, because, yeah, because really, I think the thing is, is, like, in Avon Pentis, we've talked about it as the Age of Commerce, and the reason why we wanted to do this episode today um, was to sort of, like, revisit and ask the question of what would that mean, right? And so uh, one of the things that we, uh, that I talked about with, with the idea of, like, a Pax Demiurge is that if the gods are distant and we have the situation where people are picking up the pieces of the world, it makes a lot of sense for the Bronze Hill, specifically Moradin Bronze Hill, kind of draw everything together and through, because their family is wealthy and he specifically was wealthy, um, being able to reconstruct a kind of mercantile republic based off of, uh, you know, the... Yeah, based off of just, like, having money and drawing people together. Um, So... Uh, Dumuldal becomes a significant nation for this reason yeah. um, because it it is a nexus point between the frigid north waters and the rest of the inland ocean. And so then the Bronze Hills also start to sponsor other businesses, other guilds and things in much further away places. They're responsible for the construction of, of Marinwatch. Marinwatch was a very small town until they said, basically they saw that a lot of ore was was flowing through that region and also the people were very much uh in like this was shortly after i think this was a couple hundred years after after the end of avum cordis yeah basically you know they they pull everything together oh also humans i think are recognized as as 
uh, knowing beings for the first time in history. I think sometime Pentus? in the late 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 period Avon Cortis. I think yeah, it's I was a late thinking Cortis. I think thing. that happened to Cortis. I believe like... it's something that the Stratus Magda Accords. I believe that the Stratus Magda met specifically around like the plight of humans and that they were dying in droves and. I don't know. Sim- similar stuff done in terms of like all of the uh, people except for the elves acknowledged that the race or the ancestry of humans were, were, you know, knowing beings. But I think there was a lot of holdouts, at least in the official elves, the ones who were like representing their people. Yeah. So I, I have a wrench to throw into the God, God works. Yeah. So what did the gods do when, on one hand, certain nations are saying, hey, we want you to limit yourself. You can't do these things to us. Or on the other hand, nations like Pure Ilaban are like, what are you doing? You can't limit yourselves. Like, we want you to be free in our nation. Like, do you think the gods forged these pacts like, and then sign on to the constitution of the nation, such that, like, where the nation's borders are, the god's power is limited, but outside of those borders, it's not limited? It depends on how legalistic we want to get. I think it could actually be kind of fun to get legalistic with it, of, like, you know, attempting to find loopholes and stuff. Like, that's very interesting to me, right? Like, gods were like, well, I can't intervene in this way, but the moment that they step outside this nation or whatever, they're no longer, you know, under this Pax Demiurge. Yeah, I, I do, I do like the idea of like borders it. of, and so you're saying, you're thinking that it's like there's official kind of like incorporated nations who are part of this Pax that other nations haven't necessarily signed? Yeah, it might be like an international accord that has sign- mm. signatories or whatever. Okay, sort of like the EU or or, or, or like the maybe UN is a better, yeah. well, UN has no power. So if the UN had power of like, you know, influence, I guess I should say, because the whole point of this is non-intervention. And the gods, like, aren't allowed to intervene, I think. Like, I, I don't know. We could think of some of the tenets. We, could, we don't have to, like, uh, flesh them out exactly, but I do think it'd be interesting to be like, what are the things the gods can't do? Yeah, I want the Pax Demiurge to be, like, the Magna Carta. And then, like, each nation within it might ratify its own stuff to be more specific. Mm, sort of almost like a you have kind of a federal and a state level yeah uh, approach okay sure yeah i mean this is all obviously like within like a religious uh framework so there is an understanding that like i don't know it'd be interesting if like a nation fell right or a new re- uh, nation was created and so they get like amended into this contract uh just imagine and- like suing the gods like excuse me well that's okay that's the thing i actually do think that like there are gods who actually must have full non-intervention and they are like gods of law it, and the only thing that they're allowed to do is is monitor the pact and basically they coach it you know they like they j- just so the gods so there's, there's mm-hmm. well there's I, I would imagine there's gods who uh literally their followers are just they're basically like the um adjudicators in in john wick who they just sort of like follow and look for people who are breaking the the you know the rules and invoke basically divine punishment there might be actually some kind of um uh what's the word are they like Judge Dredd? When you have a bunch of, when you have like a, a, a 
backup of soldiers that are just sort of in waiting, you know, for it's like, yeah, yeah, a reserve. But like, I guess I was thinking kind of almost like a standing army, some kind of lump sum of divine power that can be used or authorized to be used to uh, to like balance or restore justice. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think within like the legal pantheon, like there's a legislative pantheon or something like that, that uh, of, of rule keeping gods who use hieromantic power to sort of adjust or restore f- like balance to the to the to to the consensus reality. I'm imagining clerics that are like Phoenix Wright. Objection. Yeah, basically. Imagine if you could be Phoenix Wright the cleric. Oh, your your count. You get counterspell and it's objection. Oh, that'd be so good. Oh my gosh, that's so good, dude. Now I want to build that character. But yeah, I mean, I think. Okay, so yes, I think that first of all, it's nations who sign into it. I think probably many more nations than not sign it. Like, I don't think this is like an EU situation for that reason. I'd imagine that this is. Most of Everast, like there's like around what fifty or so countries in Avon Pentis, at least around seven sixty one. At the time that I made that map, there are yeah around fifty some countries, one or two Switzerlands that are like in the middle of a bunch of other countries that don't sign it, and it's just like fucking haven for for people. Well, actually, what if there is? a second minor thing that shows up later and they decide they don't want to do the Pax Demiurge. They want to do their own version of something like that, uh, where they like have an association between them. There's only like four or five, uh, countries that are part of it. Um, and they're all kind of relatively closely clustered. And so it's much more minor thing. Um, but maybe they also have deals with gods, but they work differently where it's maybe only this God or this small pantheon can be, can be, uh, esteemed in this place. Uh, you know, like in these countries and that God actually protects them from the rest of the world or something. Yeah. Maybe I'm trying to think like, what do you think? How would the old boys club? react to this because like the regents no no not not the regents so i want to go back to pure Ilbon for a second so pure Ilbon, we talked about it a little bit it's got like similar to do you remember in um oh what's that city called the city we did for us uh for a season per- Patasari. yeah Patasari. do you remember the the admiral's club in Patasari where they you know, oh you did? mean literally the admiral's club yeah, yeah. but in uh pure Ilbon, it's this like uh, a big military academy where they study tactics and they learn how to like command troops and stuff like this. And then the graduates get like a fancy badge or pin that they wear. And then mm-hmm. like they have this connection. It's like being a Harvard student mm. or like whatever. So like you, you, if you are a Harvard student, you can go talk to the Harvard alumni and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I'll hook you up. Yeah. And so a lot of the princes and Kings in Everest are members of this. And, you yeah, know, and especially because those would probably queens. be associated with the martial pantheon. Well, exactly. yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is there's a lot of any, anybody who is expected to wield some kind of military power is expected to go to Pure Illabon to study for a while. Yeah. I think maybe it's that uh, anybody who feels like they gravitate towards the faith is offered like place uh, a place within Pure Illabon's structure as like, well, you know, you could become like a teacher or whatever. And people 
But I don't think like the divine protections and stuff come with it. I think maybe people are carrying around the Styric mythy, you mm-hmm. know, in, uh, 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 if they're, which is the like sort of the holy book of, of Exabon, who's the lord of the battlefield. Or I think maybe that's the Admenti Chronicum, because I think that the Styric mythy... I think the Styric mythy The Styric mythy, the Witnesser's Way, and the Admenti Chronicum. And I think it's that the... I can't remember which is which. I think that the Styric mythy is the, is the, the actual battles. Record of though, battles. The record yeah. of battles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Witnesser's Way is basically kind of like a philosophical exploration of like, what does it mean to sort of be a follower of the god of the battlefield? Uh, the Witness was the sort of the first entity the first person who who like became a follower of exabon and like tracked down a bunch of battles and stuff um and i think maybe we'll just say they became their herald i think that would be interesting yeah because that's how i see them um but yeah uh the thing is is like yeah you can have the holy text i don't think that there's like people aren't don't have a problem with that and i do think that there are some things that the gods can do but it's like like how the president has power right like they can mostly just cancel other shit they can't necessarily enact a lot of stuff well the president i mean the president also does this right like the um oh what do they call that there's there's the different types of the different branches yeah they can veto stuff they can also uh cancel other bills yeah executive branch yes thank you there's the executive branch the uh the legislative branch i suppose my question and then there's a third one right given that there's this uh, looking down on the martial pantheon, how do people see these like military commanders who have mm. the badge of the martial pantheon? Is my question. I think it depends on the mixed company. I think that people have different opinions about it, depending. Like you know, in the same way that you, not everybody's a dove or a hawk, right? Yeah. Like there's there's definitely the doves who are uh, sickened by even just like the idea that somebody would travel to pure Illabon is just like, well, you're just reinforcing the same problems that have have like plagued us forever and others who would look into like oh capitalism will save us basically of like well if we just you know structure everything about around currency and wealth there's a then people won't want to fight each other because it's all yeah basically i i think i think that there are still some people who especially those who crowd around like uh kings and uh queens and stuff who are like oh well it's unfortunate but you know, sometimes you have to be able to will it, you know, willing to, to to fight. And then, you know, when they're sort of in more insular company, they're like, I mean, are you kidding me? This guy, he thinks he's he doesn't have to fight any wars like it's ridiculous. I know that. Yes, of course, of course, the uh, you know, the the Pax Demiurge, but get get me drunk enough. And you know what? Maybe I actually don't like the Pax Demiurge. I think that it's bad. Um, I don't think anybody should be punished for for hating the Pax Demiurge. I don't think that like, you know you're not it's not like the curse of worship where yeah, like the gods are are watching over your shoulder this is a clearly synthetic thing you know it's I also, it's, it's recognized as such. i also suppose that there's this problem of the gods recognizing like the the what the these certain nations want as emblematic of what their people want because i'm sure most of these are not going to be democracies mm-hmm. right or right. even like yes, well-functioning monarchies. I think the I think that most of them are probably whoever was the most powerful at the time of Avum Pentis and started to pick up the pieces. I don't think I think there's actually plenty of room for like socialist structures or whatever during Avum Pentis if we want it to be. I think yeah. that could be really interesting, and I want to make space for that, especially because power is more 
evenly distributed at the end of Avon Cordis in that very few people hold more power than others. And so, like, people can kind of come back from that a little bit more than they used to. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that the majority of them are, yes, they're more like this idea of emblematic. They're, you know, you maybe have like lords and other like like regency who... Yeah, I'm certain that they're still going to be people. You presume speaks on behalf of you. Yeah, and like, you know, this is the question of do the gods or like, yes, this person in fact speaks on the behalf of you, giving, the, you know, their implied consent at these kind of forms of government or... It's tough. I mean, I think... Yeah, I think that's the thing. Well, okay, so first of all, I had a thought. I think that all of the concert signs the Pax Demiurge. I think this is actually maybe what forms the concert formally. Okay. I think that before then it was sort of, you know, we've talked about the concert as this loose structure. It's not an official pantheon or anything, but it is an organization of gods of like the most largely, most universally recognized gods. And I think maybe, I don't think that all of the, the gods that are part of the Oh, interesting. I was going to say, I don't know if all of the gods that are part of the concert are enshrined. I don't think that there's any requirement that makes them enshrined. However, any god that isn't enshrined that becomes, that signs up for the Pax Demiurge is probably going to lose a tremendous amount of power very quickly. Because within a couple of generations, you know, people are just talking about them less. Their churches become less attended. People are actively attempting to distance themselves from, like, the, the heavenly realms they're literally trying to like cut off the the power of god's involvement in their lives yeah so so i do think that there would be there might be some gods who thought this was a good idea and then are having second thoughts Mm Hmm. well and the thing is is i think that what was the pax demiurge born out of i think that there was probably i don't think it was exclusively from the from the people in power who came up with the idea. I was kind of imagining it was almost like this exhaustion that you see after like World War II, right? Where people are so, so many people are traumatized from basically have PTSD for so long and not just the men, right? Like the women have had to go through traumatic, traumatic experiences to, you know, be able to support the war. Yeah, and they and women, or I mean, and, and or, you know, they yeah, and children the are in some way. people witness the atom bomb, or yeah, like, or or literally just are in the UK, yep. you know, and are just experiencing constant bombing or whatever, or any of the other things that happened. World War II was pretty fucked up, and so, really? anyways, people are like, we don't want to think about this, right? And so it ushers in a new era of, uh, at least in America, commercialism, um, where advertising everything is bright and shiny and new, and like people talk if they talk about the war, it's like this extremely belittling minor, like, oh, <laughs> you know, back when I when I was killing Nazis. You know, or you talk about it in like really general terms. Oh, yeah, I flew in the, you know, 22nd or whatever. Like, uh, but it's not like actually talking about it. I think a similar thing happens in the ancestral tide pools. This is where I was going with that. I think that in the Avaril, in Somnus, the, the, the environment is so heavily affected by the dreams of people that during Avum Cordis, it becomes like this war-torn nights nightmare scape, right? Like everybody who who has dreams, they mostly have nightmares of the same encounters that they've had 
you know, and there's maybe these little pockets of serenity where they're seeking, actively seeking something that might be peace because peace is literally just a dream, right? It's not a reality. Um, And so in the same way, I think out of that, in the proceed, the generations that proceed, not proceed, that follow the end of Avum Cordis, people still have those dreams, though, right? Like they still have, you know, that 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 nightmare landscape sustains, and so the weariness. I'm imagining it kind of being this natural, like rising up of some people being like, you know, starting to kind of like curse the gods for their involvement. And and this malaise builds and builds until like in many, many, many different places across the the known nations, people are just straight up like, yeah, we don't we don't like the gods. Derisive talk starts to 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 come into into language more. I mean, maybe people were already cursing the gods during Avon Cortis. That would make sense, right? Like, you know, if 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 they feel like they're responsible. And even the good gods start uh who, you know, were trying to do the best they could to like protect a group of people or whatever start to be seen as warmongers as well because it's like you know nobody's hands get out of a war unbloodied and so i'm kind of imagining it arising out of that and some people are going to their to their leaders and others are actually just leaders hearing about this happening in other places and it sort of percolates from there so i think that the gods this is uh, the reason why i think it would make sense to go this way is because I feel like the gods would have to agree with this only if it was actually the will of their of their people, of their followers. And so they'd need to be able to witness this themselves. Right. And so if they're if they're not hearing or paying attention to individual stuff, but they can still detect this, this unease, this malaise, this exhaustion. So this is I think that. Yeah, this is my thought. Which is why I want to make it, I want to muddle the waters. I want to be like, this isn't exactly what's going on. I want to be like, ooh, some weird shit. I think that there is okay. absolutely this like malaise you're talking about from this like a thousand years of war. Mm-hmm. But the way that's whipped up to be like, fuck the gods, you need to back off, buddy boy, is that a lot of the monarchs and other incredibly powerful people are like, we need a fucking scapegoat. <laughs> like, people are going to talk, a- people are going to be like, why are you in power? Oh. And so they're like, Oh, so good. Yeah, they're like, oh, no, 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 we, I didn't, like, I didn't profit from this war stuff. Like, I'm here to help you. And the real problem is the gods. They Mm -hmm. caused this, you know, this entire age of war. They failed. They don't even live here. Yeah, we need to fuck them. We need to tell them to to step off and I'll fix all the problems once they're gone because they're making Mm -hmm. a problem here. Mm hmm. It's exactly yeah. what's going on. And so this whips up the people into a frenzy. There's like the first propaganda campaign, maybe. And mm-hmm. totally spreads across Everest. And then the gods are like, oh shit, this is the will of the people. But it's only the will mm-hmm. of the people because they're being manipulated by the people in yep. power. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that is so good. Uh I oh fuck, man. I love it. Yep. It's not, yeah, and it's not to say that like. Um, I mean, it's just that the monarchs and other like the rulers see this as power, uh, like, oh, this will put me at the top of the pile. 
right? No longer will gods like be directly, will I be directly answerable to them for my actions? There'll be this distant overview where it's like, I have to do a lot more than just, just fuck up this little amount before I start getting in trouble with the gods. Yeah. I don't have to worry about these like priests as much anymore. I don't have to worry about the Mm -hmm. gods doing shit. They can't like supplant Mm -hmm. me or anything like this. That would be a, Mm -hmm. a, in violation of this stuff. And then there's this idea of, I no longer, if I want to be, you know, top dog, I don't have to become like a demigod or something like this. Being a king mm-hmm. is suddenly much more prestigious because there's, there's no, yes. there's less demigods, there's less presence of godhood. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think the Ethereum as a whole, it lessens, like the number of presences d- dwindle because... Oh, whoops. There's there's just like, you know, there's just like less faith to kind of go around. Or I think people have faith, but it's more in this generalized pantheon way where again, like okay, so what can the gods do? What are they allowed to do? I think that's a big question that I I would like to examine. So I think because we're talking a lot about how they can intervene. I think they can give clerics power. Yes. They can empower individual people. Mm-hmm. That, that, I think they can do that. I don't think they can manifest I, an avatar. I think that's a lot. That's illegal. Yeah, within the Pax Demiurge, like within the realms that are, are governed by Pax Demiurge. I don't think angels can take physical form. Yes, I think that they can show up as some kind of a projection almost, mm-hmm. right? Or like the equivalent of an astral projection, but in reverse, right? Like they can... And maybe that even means a bodily form, but they can't come in power, right? They can kind of come as messengers who can, who can carry knowledge or information. But also, I think that the number that can come are vastly limited. Yeah. Like, there can be no more than a certain number, like, in a, in a specific nation from a specific god. And I think those numbers are maybe calculated by, like, I mean, literally could be density or per capita or something like that. But, like less than one percent of the presence of angels than before like I, i'm imagining honestly dude i've always thought like an avum cortis and certainly an avum tertius like the number of angels you might just see an angel fucking walking down the street you know it is the era of high magic yeah, right like in war form as well just like fucking mm-hmm. swords and it's gonna go clear out a hive of demons you know i think so in addition to those uh, I think that gods can appear. No, maybe their heralds can appear, but their heralds can only appear in people's dreams because otherwise it's like too powerful. And, and I so think there's some you're allowed like a for like they can appear in the king's court, you know, on certain days, mm-hmm. but not not anywhere else. Or something like that. yeah, like once a year, there's like divinity is allowed. Maybe during Bremen. During yeah. the Festival of Lights or something, like heralds are allowed to encounter, and so kings and queens and other uh, other royalty expect to get like divine visitations during that time. Um, but I do think that the heralds also, in the same way, like I don't think any individual can have carry the the like divine power with them, the spark of their of their god. I also I think... think also. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say that, like, as far as what you were saying with, like, the investiture of power um, for clerics and paladins, of course, would be Mm -hmm. part of that. You know, I would say just people of the faith. I think you just need to have a sort of, maybe this is one of those sort of state state level kind of things where uh, there is authority given 
not by country, but by by faith. And so, like, you know, followers of this god, if sort of you, like, become part of the registry, you know, you kind of have to register yourself as a follower of this faith so that they can track you. Like, literally, they can at least find, figure out where you were, you know, or something. I, I'm imagining this is more self-governed, like, a couple of churches who have really fucked this up, like, are maybe more, like, under, like, there's been amendments or whatever to the packs to, to, like, these people are actively monitored versus more, like, we, we may come and, like, require you to track somebody down, but it's, like, within the church are, like, oh, yeah, they're sending somebody to come do you think, pick up this other person because they've gone off the uh, off the map. So this isn't this is an aside, but do you think it gets more Dragon Age than that, where you have, like, uh, the arcane spellcasters are also kind of tracked? Um, I mean, well, we have the Order of the Vivid Precipice, and that has been around for a while. That is, um, yeah, but that's like OVP. self, that's self uh, policing. So, yeah, well, they're specifically like, I want, I want governing enchanters. I think it's by state. I think by country okay. they decide like whether they're going to track their arcane spellcasters or not. But that I don't know if honestly that spell. even fits under the 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 Pax Demiurge. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that might just be uh, a separate. Uh, high romantic uh, okay. uh, magic that they're using to track in the same way that like the libraries, the libraries aren't part of this and the libraries, the, the, the law and like the, the packs that have governed the libraries with the Gellums and stuff that, that has existed for, you know, since Avum Tertius. I do think that's, that that's some, much older. Some countries do ban um, public displays of divine magic. I think that absolutely does happen. I think that that's a, independent thing so yeah i'm not sure if that's part of the pax demiurge proper or if that's just us like creating legislation within our country that says you know nobody who is part of this group of the pax demiurge or whatever can display these faiths i think it might say in the pax demiurge it might say like you know bestows the right to each country to regulate the use of divine magic inside its borders something like that so like that's yeah, in the Pax image, yes. but it doesn't say specifically what they do. Just they can police it. Mm-hmm. Is there any of the UN's at least theoretical stuff of like, well, if somebody fucks it up, it becomes the responsibility of everyone else to like pool their resources to stop this thing from happening? I think that's kind of what the like World Health Organization is, which is a branch of the UN. It's kind of like, okay, people need to pay us so we can fix shit if there's like a worldwide problem. Maybe, I mean, I think I'm just imagining that, though, instead of the power of the individual countries, that that is maybe what the gods are authorized to do, is they're each allowed to put some of their angels into, in, into force or something like that. Okay, but wait, like, so, okay, question. We, we, we're calling this high romantic, right? And, and just for those who need a reminder, high romancy, as we re- define it, is like law magic. So it's like literally signing something that you can or cannot do. I assume high romancy isn't perfect, even for the gods, right? Like, you, you know, swearing an oath or something, I think you can still get around it or get through it or, you know, bend it over backwards, especially, it. you know, again, drawing from the Aes Sedai there. Can is can everyone anyone ever technically break the law though? Can gods break the law? Uh, there, yeah, there is a question of whether or not they're capable. I think they probably are, 
But it's... Uh, the, I think so, too. The gods police themselves. Like, there'll be consequences within the heavens if you do that. Well, and that's what I'm imagining. Is basically, like, if a god does decide to break the Pax Demiurge, I think the other gods are, like, required by the Pax to punish them or something. Yeah, whatever that looks like. I'm not sure exactly. But but I wanted yeah. to talk about your, your discussion of, like, oh, could the gods do certain things with their angels in the event of an emergency or for, to solve a global problem mm-hmm. or something like this. And I think yes, there might be do? an amendment to the Pax Demiurge, which is like the writ of Deus uh, Potentia Emergencia or something like this. Like God power a emergency. Potential... No, I mean, we should, we should literally mess with uh, Deus Ex Machina. Literally oh, use that. Okay. Because the, I, it's, it's like the clause of Deus Ex Machina. The idea of literally just like, you, sometimes you just need a divine solution. De- we God should call coming it, down from the machine. Yeah, yeah, change it a little bit. Deus Ex, like, Emergencia. Yeah, something like God that. God of the Emergency. But yeah, I like that idea. I think, I think there's something to do with a majority. If you have like a two-thirds majority or maybe not even that but like something where like a bunch of countries say hey this one country uh we're actually cutting them out of the pact or like they're violating the pact or something so you're authorized to go in there and clean house because they're you know it's like the dragon's peace right i also think that um the gods can like make an act that would technically violate the uh, packs, but if but like the member countries then have to like form a council to investigate it, and then they either vote to say it did violate or it didn't violate. And if it didn't violate, it's like retroactive. The gods never violated it, kind of thing. It's like even though they obviously did violate, if they vote to say they didn't violate it, they didn't violate it, kind of thing. So this gives the gods some power to right do something quickly. Mm-hmm. without oversight but yeah. there will be an investigation and then it will be determined whether or not they're at fault mm-hmm. and i think i think that also so i'm imagining okay so some of this stuff that that might actually be up to the gods to decide like it, it i think there's some things where in case of emergency mortals can break glass and like you know do something to get the gods attention and it's a very, very fucking like that might actually be the two thirds majority thing where it's like fully all of these nations are like we are ge- being destroyed by this other force, this, you know, otherworldly force. We are calling on you to save us from it. I think that beyond that. There is adjudication that happens in the mortal world, and I think there's adjudication that happens in the ethereal, yes. but I think that those are self-governing for the most part. That the gods are investigating other gods as to whether they actually broke the rules and, and are basically, you know, you're judged by your peers, right? So you're being judged by a bunch of other gods versus mortals who, uh, you know, the whole point of, uh, a big whole point of the Pax Demiurge was like, they don't know what it's like to live down here, yeah, right? But... So I'm imagining that, like, they are not necessarily adjudicating for mortals, except for these really big, serious moments, I versus the vast majority of the time, it's mortals adjudicating other mortals. I do think that if the gods, like, think about how the nations would feel if, the, if a god did something, and it obviously violated the Pax, and then... The gods were like, oh, no, it didn't. And they'd be like, what the fuck? 
I think that that's part of the packs, man. No, no, I think I, that maybe you can challenge that or whatever and literally like go up to divine supreme court. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think needs to happen. There needs to be some like method for the mortals yes. to have some say. But I think also part of it is I'm like, I don't know if the mortals necessarily know the results of stuff. You know, it's more like trust the gods to, 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 you know, but, but the whole point judge of the each other, other or something. don't trust the gods. Well, I guess I just mean, though, like, like the idea that. I don't know. OK, so you see a god, I don't know, do some shit. You're Farmer Jones and you see some god do some shit who's supposedly part of the Pax Demiurge that they shouldn't have done. Yeah, what are you doing fucking the goat in my pasture? God, the god of goats was fucking a goat in my pasture. And then, like, you know, I don't know. It's not like, you know, Farmer Jones can do anything about it. They can reach out to the gods, and they'll be like, yeah, we'll get back to you in a thousand years. I'm just imagining a situation where it's like, you know, okay, let's say they're actually doing something, though, where they're, you know, I don't know, maybe even fucking a goat would be something that would break the pact. If, if that happened, I would imagine that the gods... I mean, they're at least benevolent enough to, like, you know, in the concert to investigate this shit and and to deal with it swiftly because it's, um... Oh, boy, I'm really out of focus. Oh, that's such hair texture. It's not working. I might just be blurry for the rest of this. Yeah, it's not working. Okay, so I guess I'm just blurry. Uh, you know, that's fine. Just Vaseline lens it. Um... Ooh. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I'm just, I guess I'm just saying I, I, I don't think that the people... I don't think that a lot of people are going to have an opportunity to challenge a god or no, even know what the consequences have been, right? Like, they're, they're just going to have to assume that the gods are going to do it because, like, what? Are they going to see some sort of, you know, lightning bolt strike and then there's a piece of paper there being, sorry about Gotalami fucking that goat he really messed it up we were sorry sincerely the gods i don't know I'm also just, here's 600 gold recompense i'm just saying that uh the whole point of the pax demiurge is we want the gods to be in check and not to be able to do whatever they want because we don't trust them true. to judge a right so do they see that then? I mean, is there do do the mortals literally see some sort of recompense then for those who have been determined judged to be wronged by the gods? I think that like when there is a violation, there is this mortal and immortal court. And then depending on the results of each of those, there's either right if they agree, then there's no trouble. If they disagree, then it goes to like a combined mortal and immortal court, and then they do further adjudication, and then depending on what that says. Okay, I really like that. Yeah. Also, dude, um, the gods can definitely like call mortals as witnesses and stuff. Yeah, I'm imagining a, a, a like a combined court where you have uh, the the clerics of these like law gods. There's literally like their holiest of holies is a place that basically like kind of the the roof. Instead of like there being a uh, like you know beautiful stained glass or or something, it literally just opens up into a realm of the Ethereum that like the law gods are part of. And so if there's adjudication happening, the heralds of these gods, because you know it might be a region or something who can't leave their throne. Although I imagine the regents don't touch this stuff at all. We we can we'll talk about that in a second. But they're sitting on their toilets. I'm imagining that yes, maybe you can actually call Farmer Jones as a witness 
or Farmer Jones, uh, like is you know the plaintiff or whatever, and are calling the gods out on this stuff. Um, and like I'm just imagining though, like just like the heralds like looming overhead in uh, you know on the roof or whatever. Like you can just see that like you know the this uh, like a span or a realm open up into the cosmos of of the Ethereum. So you have like little lawyer and big lawyer with like Pacific Rim vibes. Yes, exactly. Yaggering just in the drift <laughs> with a with a herald. Okay, but anyways, um, I was gonna say obviously we're definitely getting on in time here. Um, but a couple of questions for you. Regions, One, by the way, I think it's Belfagor from Shimagami Tensei. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit demonic, that. but he's just sitting on his toilet. Toilets are demonic. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's really goofy. What he does. That's from Shin Megami Tensei? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's Belphegor, he just sits on his toilet. It's literally just a picture of a, a, a demon who's sitting on a toilet, purple demon with golden foot, like, leg warmers? Leg warmers and fingerless gloves. It's like oh toeless socks and fingerless gloves. Yeah. Sexy. The okay, so yeah, but what do you think the regents' in, uh, involvement in the Pax Demiurge is? Are they or no? Uh, I don't think any of the the regents are affected by it, and I think one of them might have been like, "Oh yeah, this might be a good idea," and the rest were silent and didn't say yay or nay. It's possible that I think that they just don't respond when they're reached out to. It's possible that Atar... I don't mean, like, literally permanently, like, they, I just mean when the people reached out to them to be like, you should be on the Pax Demiurge, they didn't respond at all. And as a result, like, they're considered informally part of the Pax Demiurge because they seem to be respecting it, but they're not actually literally, they haven't literally signed their name to it. So, yeah, so... They're, they're the only gods who could get away with that. I think that that happened. However, in, intra regent like council uh one of them is for it one of them is against it and the rest are like let's just not say anything and so that's what happened they didn't say anything Mm -hmm. yes yeah i think yes i think that that was the thing is they wanted to do it all as a group um and and yeah and I still, also, I will say, I do think that part of the pax demiurge was probably them saying like you need to agree to disband the martial pantheon and like find other pantheons to be part of. You don't have to die, but you need to find new work and like it needs to be adjacent to you know what what you're doing here. We can't have only Otar is allowed to like remain in the martial pantheon officially. Yeah. Just him. And that doesn't mean that other like little gods don't pop up every now and then, um, you know, sort of and, and reside within the Martial Pantheon for a time. But sort of they're just like these occasional visitors in Otar's palace in, in his realms. OK, so here was sort of my final question, which I know we're definitely on in time here. But what with a pact like this? You, I have to imagine that the gods are also asking something the mortals. Like, this can't go just one way because they would never agree to it because it's like, well, what's the... I mean, if we, you know, any of the enshrinement or whatever, like, we still derive some power or authority over you. What's to say you guys don't just stop believing us in, uh, in us altogether or something? The gods wouldn't really verbalize it that way because, you know, that's a sort of a sign of weakness and I don't think any god is interested in expressing that. Um, but, like... 
Yeah, what do they get in return? Oh. I think the way the gods see it, it might be like, look, mortals are just being a bit fussy because of, you know, the the kind of trauma of the Evan Cordis. So we'll give it a thousand years and they'll get over it. That might have been the idea behind a lot of the gods, and they just didn't expect them to kind of take it as seriously as they did. And now they're, like, suffering because they're like, oh, fuck, what do we do? I think that that does happen, but I don't think that it's necessarily that they don't ask anything of the mortals. Because I think, honestly, if anything, the mortals would be suspicious of that. Okay. I think the people who, they're like, really, you don't want anything in return? We don't believe you, that you're that benevolent. I think that the, the, the gods, I think there's people, there's gods who, dis, who feel that way and verbalize, vocalize that to the others. Um, articulate that thought but i don't think that it's enough for all of the gods even if they agree with that they're like yeah okay maybe so but i think we can cross that bridge when we come to it and i uh, i do love the idea that something doesn't take into effect for the first thousand years there's something that is then like okay but in a thousand years you need to do x i will say i think in the meantime there's some expectation of sort of like a tithe of you know, whether it's, you know, currency or offerings or some kind of thing like that. Also, your nations must offer at least these many people to study our ways Ooh, yes, or whatever like to that. keep the faith alive. Even if it's not like, um, even if we're enshrined and we don't care, I would still want a following as a god. Like, I'd still want others to, you know, recognize or acknowledge me or something. So I think that some kind of required affordance for like let me through my own followers structure my own faith or whatever and like if you're legally authorizing our you know our faith then you have to also yeah i think there's maybe a banning in the pax demiurge of attempts to achieve godhood or demigodhood maybe that's locked off where it's like look we have enough you can't do this mm-hmm. anymore totally there's no more gods like no more yes if you are within those realms you literally cannot ascend if you attempt to ascend it's basically like giving the other gods free access to just smite you and i think if you're an existing demigod and you are visiting in other nations or whatever i think that you can enter those nations but you like you end up taking a mortal form and you lose all divine power and then i think maybe another thing might be obviously the like banning of any kind of worship including any kind of yeah you must actually respect cursive worship stuff no esteeming the absentium Mm -hmm. or worshiping them yep and so those people actively do get hunted i think that there is Maybe maybe, maybe that's what the, uh, most of the angels are allowed for is, yeah, is is like people's churches or whatever who are like, well, OK, we will allow you, you know, a big part of your responsibilities then will be like clearing out these hives. Because that was what the gods are doing previously. It's like they were sending angels to stop. Right. Kind of stuff. So now it's like, OK, right. If we and if, and angels, if you're saying it, you got to do it. Right. If you're saying it's overkill, it's like, well, okay, you're allowed to do it, but like a fraction of the forces that you had before. You can leave behind a very small reserve, like, you know, 20 angels or something for the entire country. Because let's be honest, it's not like we have that many hives of demons. If we if we change our minds, we'll let you know. And like, you know, we can do our two thirds majority thing if we're ending up having yeah. like this whole 
you know, Avengers level crisis, but yeah. And then I think there's got to be some, I think there's maybe one more thing. By the way, I don't think it's state sponsored faith. I don't think it's like that the faith is uh, something that like this country must pay some, uh, some amount of taxes to. I think it's more that they don't get involved. It's a separation of church and state thing where it's like you leave us to clean our own house then. Like, if we're going to leave you alone, you have to leave our, our church alone. Um, and so, at least for within our own grounds or whatever, like, you, you know, maybe it's that also the gods, the people, uh, like, the people who are of those faiths or whatever might also get judged by law separately. So, like, they get uh, judged by sort of almost like this appointed, you know, from the hieromantic pantheon group that you know, sort of adjudicates for different churches or whatever, but that's an elected choice by the the faith itself that gets to decide that versus, like, the laws and courts of the land. So, like, the country, you know, if it's it happens outside the church and it's happening on, you know, somewhere nearby, maybe it's even the cemetery or whatever, it's like, well, okay, well, that's actually cemetery ground, so that's part of the faith, so we are actually adjudicating that because it's, you know, this crime or whatever is seen as you know, a, a, could be a blasphemy or something. So it's being adjudicated on by our court. But if it's, you know, just somewhere in town or whatever, it's like, well, that has nothing to do with the, the faith. So, you know, they don't get to adjudicate that. All right, so I, I want two more things that the gods get. One, okay. you cannot uh, make any laws blocking the esteeming of the concert. Yes. And two, yes. and this is the weird one, but I think there's good reason for it. You cannot like you. You cannot allow for new cults to form unless they're mm. like approved or something like this. And this is to like stop yeah. a bunch of fucking new gods from coming into being. Yes, I like that idea. I I don't know. That's that's an interesting one. I I do like how weird that is because it's like, what is the authorized way? Like yes. in the same way that you know you can't you can't create new demigods. Maybe. I think maybe just, yeah, you can't create new demigods in general. Like, we have enough of them. Maybe the gods can choose to give demigodhood to uh, a more guys or something. But then it's, it's completely up to them. Right, that's right. The animus could give that to them or whatever. And so then it's, like, beyond what the gods can determine or, you know, make sense of. Yeah, and they get the um, print But out. the... Yeah, the animus, like, kicks the yeah. out. I mean, the animus really just, to me at this point, they feel like a black box of just more of the computations of the, you know, it's like AI running in the background. It's like, well, it spit this thing out. We, it's very hard. We don't know what it's going to, pr- it's a dot matrix predict printer, yeah. general outcomes, okay. but you're like, you're not really sure like why it's interminable. Yeah. I think, I think I, I really like that last one. So then how do cults, so a cult gets formed. Is it inquisitorial? And it's just saying, like, like we're going to destroy your holy icons or whatever? I think it's very similar. I think cults are treated like absentium cults, where it's like... Okay. I don't think it's as severe, though. I think that it's like... Because you might believe in, like, a benevolent god of, like, giving and love and stuff like that. And it's if it's not officially authorized, then I think that it's, it's like, you. it's not forbidden, but also there are certain aspects of it that differentiate it from a recognized faith like you can't have a holy text yeah you can't have yeah yeah stuff like that you can't and so oh man that's really dystopic i don't love that yeah i know but that that's what i like about it is that there's a little bit of dystopian in there oof that's pretty bad 
It's kind of like Matthew Mercer's really world, sad. where um, in the does it have to be all of them, or can it be an amendment where like many of them signed it, but not all of them signed it? No, I feel like the gods would probably really push against that. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's similar to like the Dundolian Empire, where there's like, certain accepted fates, and then like the worship of other ones are are outlawed. Yeah, I think, and and yes, okay, I agree with that because I think it's it's. You can get in trouble, but the, the amount of trouble that you get in is fairly limited. Like, it's more like you can get fined for stuff. Um, uh, and yes. if, you, if you're an actual practitioner of the faith and you're, like, uh, you know, sharing the faith versus practicing it, they're different penalties. Yes. So, like, practicing the faith of, of sort of, like, I have these rituals I do or whatever and I don't tell other people about it. Or it's, like, it's kind of an open secret you know, like other people around in my town know that we, you know, our family follows this thing and, you know, we don't make a big deal out of it and they don't make a big deal out of it and they don't report us or whatever. And maybe if they did report us, it would result in some kind of fines and then there would be a certain something else or whatever, like, you know, patronage to you have to at least sign up for patronage to a different faith. What was that you don't necessarily have to. You don't ask, don't tell. Is that what you're talking about? Is that is that Bill Clinton? I think it's I think kind it's, of don't ask, don't tell, dude. I think that if you are then like a preacher who is like advocating for and actively trying yes. to spread the faith, that's a very different thing. And that's like, okay, you can't do that. And like, that's more, you're putting yourself in the crosshairs. And like, again, like, are they going to kill you? Probably not. But like, you might get jail time. I think it, you I know, think or it's you might super, have servitude of some kind. I think it super depends on what country you're in. Because I think there are some countries yes. that are fucking steel boot. Like, if they treat cults of the absentium the same way as new cults. And this that's is what like, it is. This is what up. it is. Yes. Yeah. They, the, 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 the punishment is determined by the country. Yes. It's actually not determined by the faith because it's the countries who are agreeing to it, right? And it's it, like the, 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 the faiths, the churches, the gods, they are responsible for cleaning out the demonic and devilian hives and shit. But for mortal stuff, right, the concerns of mortals should be in the hands of mortals. That's the whole point of the Pax Demiurge. So then a mortal who is dealing with this shit, uh, it is then up to the countries to decide how to respond to it. I like that. And especially because... Yes, then country by country, there are people who are like, well, it's officially outlawed, but like, you know, I don't know, maybe this king or whatever is like, there's a technically a very minor fine or something like that, but they're actually very open and welcoming to people of all faiths, and that's what they officially say. And so like, they become like this refugee location where it's like, yes, it's technically outlawed, but it's decriminalized or something. Yeah. There's like a way where it's like, you that you can't be... You're, you're, there's a, like a one gold a year penalty fine, quote unquote. And it's really, people just basically see it as their faith tax of just this tiny amount that the, that the country takes in order for a practice of faith. And it's the exact same tax for like, um, the official concert or something. And so it's just that all faiths have a very light, like, you know, receive a slight recompense or something. I do think that that place, though, has a lot of absentium activity because they can hide. Yeah, totally. Well, that would that would be great. Yes, there's a lot of... so the gods point at that and they're like, this is what you fucking happens when you Mm -hmm. let this stuff run wild. And they're like... Yeah, there's like people who are are being tricked. Yeah. 
They're like, that's oh, come great. join that's our cult. Really it's like love and happiness and trying to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And then we you like, get to second or third level in, and you're like, oh fuck, this is a death cult, isn't it? Yeah, they're like they're like you know whipping themselves, trying to be more perfect. What, who's that one? I forget which one of the uh, Martin Luther. No, no, the Absentia. You think of Martin Luther? Of the Absentia, oh, there's the one guy oh. who's the like evil end of perfection. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, is it Parati? I think Parati might be the god of tyranny, which is the uh, uh, evil gods and other. Men. There's well, there's Umbarak, who's the god of failure. There's uh, Gogra, the uh, the goddess of manipulation and subterfuge. There's Parati, the god of tyranny. Um, there is, I guess these are mutes, not gods, but uh, there's Tiras, who is the uh, mute of fear. There's Timur, who is the mute of corpulence and avarice. There is Karnas. The uh, the mute of death and destruction and Umak. It might the... be um- Umbarak because I think they might be the Umbarak. It's either Umbarak or Parati. I forget which one because one of them is like you always fail to be perfect, even though. Oh, that's so probably good. Umbarak then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're like the weird it's a fixation on the failure of of the self and that you are deserving of punishment for for your lack of perfection. Umbarak is like yeah, Umbarak is the opposite of look... Zoom, and Glarion is and Parity mm-hmm. is the opposite of Glarion. Umbarak is like extremely vain, very much like sort of the Lucifer vibes of of like you know, oh, you guys are you know these you know mutant monstrosities who don't deserve to be both like spirit and flesh, right? They're you're uh, you know the spirit is pure and. Umbarak is like really vain yes. and beautiful. I think they're uh, they're like very like aesthetically like they I think use a lot of their power uh, to like make themselves appear extremely beautiful. Oh god, I really like how our nine and seven uh, mutes and regions the the nine regions and the seven mutes mirror each other because tears gets two, and I think that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Right. Truth and knowledge and wisdom yeah. and prudence. Is bo- is both of those, Veritas uh, Ver- and Progman are both opposed to tears. Mm-hmm. God, it's yep. so good. It's uh, so fucking good. I know, right? It's good stuff. Okay. Um, we should probably wrap this up. I think we've actually made this a very long episode. It is, um, yes. But, uh, oh, what was the... Oh, never mind. It wasn't that important. I think, I think, I think I'm good. Yeah, should we, should we call it? Yep. Take us out, sir. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh no. Well, I was gonna just ask if you had any lore bits of other stuff. Um. Hmm. I think that I. I feel like I feel good about the Pax Demiurge and sort of the balance between the two in terms of what people are authorized. Also, I love the idea that it's like still pretty. Uh, you know, like the edges of kind of what. I would say the Everastians consider, quote-unquote, the civilized world, right? Maybe this is actually the thing with Tanatlohi, is that a lot of Tanatlohi did not sign the Pax Demiurge. And so, because there's, like, less... There's a lot more elves, and maybe there's more of an elf, elven contingency who didn't agree with this because they still elevated the gods, because I think they have a strong sense of association with the gods, right? Like, they feel, like, recognized and and acknowledged by them. Also, because the gods are responsible directly for forming the Alluvium in a way that they aren't. So there's almost like this, I mean, I don't know, I feel like the elves always like these like sort of long-form distance things where like, you know, old power, 
sort of these high divinities or or like structures hierarchies that are are more magical in nature are seen as kind of more pure and less broken by mortality i'm not going to say that that's like got carte blanche true for all elves i'm just saying i think that that is a common mindset among the the remaining elven i I think a lot of the elven holds are like super insular and they don't want anything to do with international politics Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, the rubber band of like, oh, we were an international like empire that spanned the entire globe. And it's now to like, we just don't want anyone to fuck with us. The world has moved on without us. Yeah. Yes. Like we we are just we are something anachro- uh, like um, an- anachronous and right out of time. Like it is. It's like something left over from a different... They, I mean, they're relics, right? Like, the whole thing is, is like, they are a remnant of a previous age. Everything about them feels like this sort of... Um, yeah, the last vestiges of a, of a previous world. Yeah, and this like, is Again, so I mean, they, they still carry their, like, extremely long lifespans. They're, like, still have this deep connection to magic and the Avaril and each other in a way that, like makes i think the rest of the world feel more distant from them yeah and i think there is like sort of a quiet acceptance of like well you know we still have our quote-unquote empire our world you know but it is just in these tiny little pockets yeah i do think that maybe like so what do you think like 40 percent of all elves are living in these holds or like you think 60 percent are in the holds 40 percent are outside of them uh, I think it's hard to say. I would say that the holds also take on a very different meaning and definition depending on whether you're looking at Everest or Tenatlohi. Like, I yeah. think in Everest, it's much more like these small pockets that are kind of like a steading in, in um, oh, what's it called? In, in Wheel of Time. And some of them are even maybe that small. Like, they're just like a grove of a forest where they're like, literally, it might just be a few acres that they've like either put up walls or magical barriers or something around it. But there's, I think there's a mag- I'm imagining most of them are much larger than that. Yeah. Like those might be just like kind of last remnants of an elven family or something who still remains in this wood and refuses to leave and are like, well, you know, we don't mess with them. We leave that manor alone or whatever, or they have their sort of like, you know, wood palace, their, their tree plant palace. Um, but like, I think most of them are kind of like city states, right? Yes. Like I'm imagining small places that like have borders. They maybe allow others in, but not uh, most of them. In Tanatlohi, there are elven strongholds, but they look different, and for, they're there for different reasons. The, the vast majority of the population of people in Tanatlohi is its majority elven. Um, it's not exclusively, um, because there's definitely pockets of other stuff, for instance, like the tiefling colonies that are on the southwestern coast. Um, but, like, there's... And there's, like, plenty of humans and other stuff, too. Um, it's just it's much more evenly distributed because those lands have been less punctured by quote-unquote civilization yeah and so it's a lot more like a lot more sort of untouched lands open uh, uh, sprawling places the barrens in general right like uh most of that is is known as and referred to as the barrens because and that's why you have the barren elves is because they're most there's not a lot of vegetation, and it's not easy to grow stuff aside from some some Nile like like Sahara you or know. Chaparral. Like, is it like scrubland or desert? I think more Chaparral, like like scrubland and stuff, than like full on sand dunes. I think some parts of it can be sand dunes, but I think it's more just like really rugged, and the earth is sour. Like it's it doesn't it doesn't hold crops well. Um, is it's it pretty craggy? fucked up, and 
I think it can be craggy. I think the way that I have uh, thought of it is like, uh, it's honestly, it might be pretty war-torn. I wonder if that's actually where it came from, was like early on in Avum Cordis, some shit happened, and like nobody really knows what exactly happened in Tanat Lohi, but like they're... uh, I mean... I, I don't want to just go the magic newt route because like it's already been done and like you know so many times and Eberron is a great example of this and I would just rather leave that alone. I, I will say I don't know what the story is behind what happened to Notlohi. I think that whatever it was, it was the Eldian Imperio fracturing and like losing connection between one side and another, and then when like sort of everything cleared it was like the the kingdoms were basically gone um like not like gone like physically gone there's just empty and they there was no stuff left in them or anything you do kind of already have magical nuclear terrible thing that happened with Dermanlock. do you remember Dermanlock? kind of that was the elven what remind me what happened with Dermanlock? uh the it was an elven slash dwarven kind of settlement Oh, yeah. Gosh, that was so long ago. Let me see where I put it on the map. The ruin of Dermanlach, long abandoned and long forgotten. The twin cities of Dermunin and Elak were once an experiment in racial commingling from Ava past. Now a ruin inhabited by foul creatures. No one remembers what led to its fall. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's more something that, like, it's just the history's been lost. I think maybe the elves know roughly what happened, but also they are not sharing it, because I think that it has some vampiric undertones. Like, I think what it might be is actually there was a rise of the uh, uh, Shrouded Empire. Because um, this is the thing that I almost never talk about, but, like, you go far enough west into Notlohi, and you do run into, vampi- uh, like, like, secret vampiric empire stuff. And, uh... And, like, in the further eastern lands of Tanatluhi, there are still, like, uh, re- remnants of that, although it's more like, like, shadow, uh, sh- like, puppet governments that are, like, the individuals who specifically control the actions and, of stuff and, like, pay homage to certain lords or whatever. But, yeah, like, uh, so maybe that's what happened, is it was specifically, like, people rose up, grabbed vampiric power and just fucked off into their, their own like lands or something uh it looks like it was destroyed um so i have it on the world level as sometime prior to quintus which would be pentus in the new so yeah because yeah. man this, that's that's how long ago that uh that uh that was that was done is it we used to call it avum quintus that was a long time ago okay yeah we should really end it though because that <laughs> it's like we've gone like half an hour longer than i expected yes. um but that is that is all really good stuff i think the to answer your question, though, the holds, it depends. There's a lot of sanguine, or I think we would just, I yeah, I don't know if they're sanguine elves or if they're just blood elves at that point uh, that are part of, like, the stuff that's happening in the very most western reaches of the uh, t- Tanatlohi. But the rest of them are not necessarily in holds. They're, they might be in small nomadic groups um, or you know, might be shepherds or, you know, doing, like, fishing or something on the coast. As far as the elves are concerned, I mean, in Tanatlohi. Yes. So what they're doing in Eastern, uh, in Everest and Tanatlohi is, it, it depends. Why, why were you asking, though? About Dermanlock or about Tanatlohi? Oh, just, like, was it, did it have something to do with the Pax Demiurge or just, like, how the elves feel about it? 
Because that was, I think, oh, where that, it was coming yes. from. It, oh, it was just because I felt like they wouldn't be a part of the Pax Demiurge because they don't want anything. The, to do I agree. Politics. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a yeah. First of all, this is international politics. This isn't like what we signed up for. This isn't how we think the world should be run. And not again, not all elves agree about this. I think there's maybe one or two elven holds that do agree and think that this is the best way to just move forward um, and well, remain I, I relevant and that, stuff. So I think that some of them are like, we would probably agree with the philosophy behind the Pax Demiurge, but we don't want to get involved because we don't want to fuck with international politics. It's like, oh, we agree with you, but we're not fucking signing that shit. Mm-hmm. I think that's a part of it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I will say I don't think this is like... I think almost no elves agree with it. I think that basically the vast majority of them, I think they're basically, I, I'm imagining a situation where some elves basically, they, they just say like unanimously, like we do not want to be a part of this. Yeah. And some elves disagree with that and say, we don't actually want to be part of whatever you're considering unanimous. And so they literally, there's a schism that happens where they're not recognized Maybe this is the difference between high elves and forest elves. Maybe high elves are those who like disassociate and are not part of the uh, you know Pax Demiurge, and those that are considered wood elves or or like you know sort of they're like you must you, like if you are going to turn your back on this, then you relinquish your lands, right? You re- or you relinquish your like your your holds or whatever. And so a lot of elves that would have these small city states or whatever end up like living in the forest because you know they're familiar with it they feel comfortable with it and also like it's it's what's left to them it's the places that haven't been like airified i always felt like the high elves were the descendants of the sanguine elves and were like the more they were the city dwelling aristocratic or like otherwise like urban descendants and then and i think that's what happens the wood, that's what wood I'm saying is, is they like, I, they feel shit. like they they feel like the elites who are like the ones who don't want to get involved with global politics. Yes. It's not because they don't want to. It's not because they feel bad about being sanguine elves or whatever in their past. It's because they think that the global politics should be in their hands. Yeah. And so they're disagreeing with the Pax Demiurge because they say, well, I'm never going to sign up to this because this puts you on the same like pedestal as us. And we're better than that. Yeah. We're the high elves, descendants of the Sanguine no, Empire. No, no. Like we, I think that they don't mention the the S word. Well, they wouldn't say yeah. that. That would be like a oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe just keep that to yourself. But like, so th- what I'm saying is, they keep their city states. Yeah. They retain their lands. They close up their borders. They maybe like shut off completely. Not all of them are like hyper elitist i think there's some measure of elitism or ego or whatever but they don't all hate uh everyone else um plenty of them do uh have disdain but also i think it's a culturally engendered thing where like they're raised to be like they're inferior and look at these fools whereas the forest elves are those who like literally I, I think I think there is actually something, though, in sort of like elven culture where as a sign, these were the people who didn't agree with the high elves and said, no, actually, we do want to associate and like we want to. And so and, and so I think what the elves do is they go, OK, well, we won't recognize your regency then. Yeah. And so maybe you have some wood elves who still have a kind of kingdom or whatever, but it's not recognized by the other elves. And it's seen as almost more like this difficult somber thing because its origins come from being 
feeling like they've basically been kicked kicked out of their own family. Yeah, and maybe that that like that's where the name comes from. Like they're called Wood Elves in Common because mm-hmm. like a translation and and that's a translation from the Elven, and the Elven might be like wood like elves of the wilderness. So like barbaric elves. Right. Yes. Yeah, I like that. It comes down from like sort of an older yeah, tongue. So like elves without a nation. Something like that. Yeah. Okay, well, we really got to stop yeah. now. Um, that is good shit, though. Man, wow, what an episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, uh, don't hesitate to share this with others. Feel free to rate or review us on the podcast platform of your choice. Uh, for references to previous episodes and other fun links, refer to the podcast description. You can find our Twitter and email there, perfect for asking questions on things you'd like us to cover in a future episode. Excuse me. Uh, thanks as always to Josh Silker for the Land of Heroes theme and to Sam Wade for the album art. You can find Sam at by Sam Wade on Twitter and Instagram. We're capping off each episode this season with a reading from the Book of Truth, AI Religion Bot on Twitter. So, Praetor Francus, what excerpt do you have for us today? Know your worth and fight for your dignity. You are not a slave to anyone, nor are you an anonymous member of the mass. You are a unique being created in the image of God, and for this reason, you have value. Uh, Until next time, don't forget there is always more gods to tell to fuck off! There's always more... goats to fuck? Oh, God. Alright, well, thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye! Some things have happened since we last spoke. I guess. Yeah, what happened? Oh, yeah, just like a couple weeks worth of shit, man. Yeah. Um. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I. For. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Dude, are you excited for today? I mean, tonight with, um, with the girls? Mm-hmm. The ladies, I should say, I guess. The ladies. Yeah. I mean, with the, with the ladies. I guess, I don't know, I call my friends the boys. Not really, they're quite literally ladies. Well, yeah, but girls is typically, I, I guess girls oh. is, a, you know, like boys is a term used to refer to the gender, not or the sex, not the young ones. Yeah, but I do think, I, I will say, I, I have, thinking about this, this is something I think about sometimes, is it does seem like it's inherently a little uh, patriarchal. Like, yeah. men are guys or guys or whatever are understood to be also could be men, but like women are like can be referred to as like girls. It's like, well, are you though? But women is kind of just weird. Like to say the women Ladies is a little bit gonna gonna hang out with the women. It does feel a bit weird, but I I also like I don't say I'm gonna go hang out with the men. <laughs> That's true. That. Yeah, that would be uh, if, that would be kind of weird. Yeah, if I'm gonna go play with my friends, you know, like that I play um, league with, I say, "Oh, I'm gonna go play with the boys," or the boys are calling me. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, hanging out with the boys. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, we do the same with men. It's but yeah, it's I do true. agree that there's that's some element of patriarchal stuff with the girls. A little bit. Well, I think it's doing, just. Man? It oh, might no, be similar ahead. to the Japanese chan. Uh, oh, sure. Versus, like, kun. 
Yeah, where, you know, there's diminutives kind of both ways, and it's for people you're friendly with, whereas normal, whereas otherwise you would just use a, a general An honorific, honorific for men or women. Yeah, like a fancier honorific. Eh, that makes sense. San or Sama yeah, dude. or Sensei. I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm very excited about uh, do, doing Session Zero and stuff. I yeah. mean, we'll figure out, like, a premise, a time era, a... Uh, general themes that people want to hit, what the party comp is going to look like, maybe some relationships between characters. Um, And then from there, people can start writing their actual, like, backstory, roll their, you know, characters and stuff like that. Once you guys roll your your characters and give me your backstories, then I will actually start building the campaign proper. And then we can schedule session one. Yeah, I've got some weird ideas. Oh, yeah, man. Well, we got to do them. We got to do them up. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, possibly weird vampire Gandalf. That might be fun. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Vampire Gandalf. Sure. Why not? I don't know yep. if vampire's a class, but we could figure something out. Oh, no, I'm, I'm willing wizard, to do. Obviously. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I'm willing to do some homebrew. I think that in the past, I've gotten a little crazy with homebrew of just like, oh, let's just do whatever, which is like, Fine, because I think, or it can be, but uh, I know that towards the end of things, uh, they got pretty out of hand uh, in the last game because I had made the characters so fucking powerful um, by just giving them, like, artifact-level weaponry and stuff like that, um, like, ultra-rare stuff, which, I mean, I don't know. I'm not against doing, but it's more just, like, I think... I probably could have been a little bit more under control with that stuff, and the power curve just kind of exploded. Also, I think. Lupra. Well, the worst, the worst. Yeah, you get a car, you get a car. Uh, everybody gets a fucking you know legendary artifact from twenty thousand years ago. The one of the reasons why that was a problem was I think because so much of it was a sort of me inserting the story into them instead of them making the story out of it. I see. That's why I'm like firmly not going to build any of the campaign stuff until I see your guys' backstories because I really just want to use your guys' backstories to tell the sto- like the campaign. Oh, yeah, I got two Matt Mercer, if there's some things that are from the Mercer effect, like I promise that's a that's a solid one. That's a that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah what's I agree. Up? There will definitely be private conversations, too. I fully expect... I mean, that's something I'm going to just shout out there is just text me and then we'll find a time where you want to talk about your character and figure out the specifics because there's definitely stuff where it's like, I, I want you to feel like you can, you know... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure all of that stuff out. I mean, you obviously know more about the lore than anybody else. Uh, so that's why we'll... I want to make the, the Gandalf lore master guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, that'll be cool. And, like, I really am down for literally any story that people want to tell. As long as we find a homebrew that feels like it's, like, decently uh, well-traveled in terms of, like, how it's structured. Or even if it's not necessarily a homebrew, but it's just, like, third party. Just finding something. um, I just need to test sources and stuff. Um, The one thing that I absolutely am totally fine with is Grazalax. And I actually think I'm going to require people to use Grazalax. Oh, okay. Yeah, I might. I mean, honestly, just because I think it, the way that it acknowledges the difference between ancestry and, like, heritage, uh, and that, like, you can inherit mindsets or persona stuff from, like, family or whatever, even though you didn't, you know, grow up in that. 
or you grew up in it, but like it's not like an instinctual thing. I just think that it's more solid. We can talk about that tonight, though. I really like the way Pathfinder 2nd Edition does. Yeah, Pathfinder 2E is, does it really solid. I think that was the thing that I was really enjoying that you were explaining before. Yeah. I, I just, I think it was really good. Yeah. Um, that, was, I, that was more what I was, t- I think, uh, drawing from, I realize now, than, than specifically Grazalax. Yeah, I, but I mean, I think... But Grasslax is a good, like, middle ground, because I think it I think it bridges that gap, and I'm really glad you fit, found it and pointed me to it. Yeah, the, um... I think my favorite thing about the Pathfinder thing is that they've made Asimar and, um... the other kind of weird ancestries make much more sense by making them into adopted heritages. Mm-hmm. So you have yeah. your ancestry, and then you ha- you can either pick, you know the heritages that are associated with the ancestry, or you can go to the adopted ones. Mm-hmm. It's just like, that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. No, that totally tracks for me, man. I think that that, it just like, yeah, uh, exactly. Because then it just frees it up, and you can draw from different cultural things. You could have more. I mean, like, if there's, let's say, you know, post the apartheid in Marinwatch, you know, when all of the different sort of uh, 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 boroughs got, like, sequestered from each other, you know, you end up with a lot of like orphaned people or people who've been cut off. Uh, yeah, just and and as a result, what what kind of heritage do you get from that? You know, it's it might have nothing to do with the fact that you're an Aarakocra. Like you might have something that comes from I don't know, fucking ogres or something. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay, uh, we should do an episode. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Um, okay, uh, let's see, so, oh god, fucking damn it, I'm gonna have to listen to ten minutes of audio before I get to the clap. Yep. (sighs) Okay, yeah, uh, we'll clap on, clap on 20 and 25. Got it. Oh, what was I, what have I been... Oh, did I? I think maybe the last time we talked, actually, I'd already been fully caught up on Attack on Titan, or I was catching up on it or something. Yeah, yeah, no. And you I told you that there was another up. part. I'd still only yeah. seen the, like, first half of season three or something. Yeah, I found out, I found out some of the ending stuff, um, like, from at least the manga. Uh, somebody spoiled it for me. I was okay with it, because it was... It just kind of happened and they weren't super specific about stuff. Like, so I can still see how it plays out. And I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, I promise. I will say it is interesting. Can I spoil something vague about the character of Aaron Yeager? Sure. Not like, not like plot points, but more just like who he is and his personality. Yeah, that's fine. He's a goat. Up and through... Up and through the uh, end of part two of, of the final season, I don't know. I guess I was expecting there to be some reveal or like that justifies some of the horrible shit he does because he ends up doing some horrible shit. And a- apparently, according at least to the manga ending, it's got like joker level politics uh of or or not politics but like justification justification slash like thinking that this is a solution to a problem 
like you know, do do you understand what I mean? Like the, like Joker's like the movie being like people watched Taxi Taxi Driver and got completely the wrong under like idea of it, or just like Edge Lords watching Fight Club being like, oh man, it's so cool, uh, completely missing the whole point of the deconstruction of toxic masculinity. But you know, and also they're the same know, people. <clears throat> fuck the banks, right? Also fuck the banks, but like. Or, like, people who watch, like, Rick and Morty and have seen the Pickle Rick episode and think that the whole, like, they, I don't know. Do you know, have you seen the Pickle Rick episode? I've seen, I've seen the Pickle Rick episode. Okay, so you know what I'm getting at of, like, like, missing the whole point of, like, I could turn myself into a fucking pickle. Oh, he's so cool. Versus, like, he just doesn't give a shit. He's a nihilist. Versus, like, then he shows up in the therapist's office. And she's just talking about, like, yeah, you know, like, this stuff is, uh, you know, you avoid taking care of yourself because uh, it's boring and it's not interesting. <laughs> and them just missing that completely. I don't know. It's, like, similar energy, which makes me sad because I thought that it would handle it better. But honestly, like, with the, with the Nazi shit and, like, I don't know. The politics get real fucked in a weird way that definitely feels like, I don't know, there's a video that I've been meaning to watch where um, it talks about the politics of uh, Japanese fascism, or I think it's sometimes referred to as Japan Japanism, like following uh, post-World War I and the rise towards like World War II, and how it differs from like a lot of other forms of fascism. Um, and it definitely seems like from some of the really problematic uh, <laughs> comments that the creator has made and the fact that like Prixis, for example, is literally modeled after a, like a, a, a fascist general from the Japanese army. Like there's very much like a sense of this guy's a fascist. Yeah, at least fascist light. Yeah, which, I don't is, know. The politics seem real that's, sus there. That's, that's fascist light or no? Incel? Hard to say. Definitely. I feel like if Aaron Yeager was a real world person who hadn't ended up like having the incredible adventures he's had, he probably would have ended up having as... the time of his life. Yeah. Um, he'd probably end up at least on incel forums and 4chan shit, 8chan, or maybe he'd end up being a school shooter. So, yeah, just just be warned, just be warned. Uh, honestly, I think the rest of the show is uh, around that is actually kind of is still really solid. Like I think a lot of it I mean, yeah, just like other other people don't take it lying down. What what he tries to do. There is resistance and uh, in a lot of ways they they become more the focal point. I don't know. It just seems weird. It's just weird. I, the energy is off. <laughs> Bad vibes. But um, just just letting you know. It's still totally worth watching. I think it's still really good, uh, at least up until the part that I've, I've seen. It asks really solid questions. It just stumbles a lot, so. Got it. Okay, uh, let's, uh, let's find an episode to do, yeah? Yes. Let's see. Okay. With the synthetic pantheon thing, that's what I think of as like these weird wizards being like, let's make a god. 
That's kind of what I was thinking. It's like multi-level marketing or basically like, uh, you know, harnessing the power of belief and, and using it intentionally to like create your own synthetic. I mean, maybe so that's what happens you rich, rich, Pentis. You magically powerful. Like what if literally like Age of Commerce, I mean, it would be pretty a pretty cool, like literally, you know, they make their own gods. Especially because Avon Cordis, right? If we're talking about sort of the uh, the Pax Demiurge, um, you know, we've kind of I'm at least playing with the idea of you know maybe they try and make the gods distant. That would yeah. definitely be something I would consider doing an episode on. Um, is like religion and faith in Avon Pentis because I think that we could it could do with a revisit. What what what's so funny? Uh, so one thing that the Roman economy had a lot of trouble with was inflation they just didn't quite understand how to deal with it and okay. what if what if the solution in halame in some places in like the biggest economic block blocks like the bronze hills was just like we need to make a god for the each, each for the copper pieces the silver pieces and the gold pieces and then those gods can back the currency <laughs> They're, are you saying they're like each like a like a Knox mint for for yes. the currencies, saying yes. like making sure that it's, it remains profitable. It, it remains that's stable. No one's like speculating over the currency. It's like, oh, that's funny. Yes, I think that no matter what, we have to make that happen. Yeah, instead when of the gold standard, about... it's the God standard. Yeah, just replace the L. Yep. The silent host, would, the would-be shorn gods of the Astral Sea uh, who fled Siddhar during the Ash Curse. I remember and we're still saying the Astral Sea is, idea. like, space. That's just space, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's just what I refer to it as, the Astral Sea. And so we don't have a medium that separates the dimensions or the planes? Oh, there is, yeah. Um, that's, uh, the interstitial space between all of that stuff, I believe, is Tauntus. Well, actually, the true interstitial space, anything that's not the actual, like, you know, tissue of the body of Halime itself would be the Howling Void. So I would just call yeah. that the Howling Void. That can kind of bubble and froth between the planes. But, uh, the interstitial stuff, I believe, is Tauntus and Locus. Because Locus is sort of the border, border ethereal, and I believe Tauntus is the deep ethereal. Well, I thought that um actually Tantus is just a contour realm, but that's a that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I thought one of the I thought the oh, what do they call it? The border ethereal, which is the one that you're kind of also on the plane still because mm-hmm. you know you can see into that plane, so it's like acts as a contour realm. I thought that was locus. The border ethereal. And then the uh, deep ethereal, I thought we had as um what's the bone one? Oh, uh, Ost- uh osteos. osteos yes yeah yeah we can always come back to that and clarify because i think you might be right but um i always saw osteos as pandemonium i think you were the one who sort of came up with ideas of it being otherwise and i'm down with those ideas i think that it makes yeah. sense but i just i don't remember which ones those are in in D&D and I want to get started, so I'm just trying to go through this list. Um, I see. 